Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Political State from the Oklahoma. I'm Ben Felder, and after a two-week hiatus, we are back and I'm joined here with uh, Dale Denwalt from the Capitol and Chris Castile, whenever we can get him in studio after crisscrossing the state, covering the uh, gubernatorial candidates and others as we gear up for a primary election that is just a few weeks away, Chris. Uh, is this the Getting home stretch, so to speak, a it little bit? It absolutely is. I mean, some of these guys, most of these guys are, you know, that we've been covering have been on the road for a year. So I think it's probably unreal to them that they're, they're now in... Yeah, less than four weeks away from uh, Judgment Day. First, yeah. first round of Judgment Day. Yeah. Well, today's episode, we're going to talk about the primary election, specifically the gubernatorial race. We'll talk a little bit about the legislature and how things may shape out. Hard to track, but we do know that there's going to be some change, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's start with the governor's race, uh, the Republican primary. I mean, that's really where all the drama is. On the mm-hmm. Democratic side, and we can talk about that here in a little bit, um, there's just not a lot of trauma there. Uh, in the governor's side, you really have three big candidates vying for you know, a likely runoff where two will advance to an August runoff. Right, that, and that's been the case, I, I think, the last time that, that I was on to talk to you about this. It was in March, and, and we talked about Lieutenant Governor Todd Lamb, former Oklahoma City Mayor Mick Cornett, and Tulsa business businessman Kevin Stead, and that's still the case. I mean, you have to you have to see it right now. Today, if people voted, it would probably be Lamb and Cornette advancing, but Stitt still has an opening there. He's the one that's really made made up the most ground, mm-hmm. you know, ever since January. I mean, he's been on TV almost a saturation point, you know. He's he's raised a remarkable amount of money, and, and I'm not counting what he's put in. He's yeah. matching every dollar. You know, he, he can write a check for whatever he needs. Uh, you know, and probably will at some point, but he's raised almost as much as Cornette has, and you know, just from mm-hmm. from de- so there's an opening there for him as the new face, as the outsider, and he's made up a, a lot of ground. There's still a lot of undecided in this race, so as much as happened uh, in the past few months, a, a lot more could happen in the next few weeks. Yeah, and you talk about the the order, you know, Lamb, Cornette, and Stitt is really kind mm-hmm. of the order that the polls have shown. A lot of polls have also sh- shown a lot of undecideds. And guys, I, I think from a distance, uh, you know, maybe there doesn't seem to be a lot, you know, separating the, the three in terms of their politics and policy. But when you really look in, we really do have three different, from a, in a Republican primary world, you know, three different uh, candidates. Lamb, you know, the government insider, Stitt, the outside businessman, Cornette, the, you know, the moderate mayor. I mean, you know, th- there's yeah. a lot. So if you're an undecided voter, what are you, like, w- what are you waiting on? <laughs> You know, that's a, that's a good question. And I think in this year of all this, you know, this kind of tumultuous political year where you've just had so much uh, chaos at the Capitol and just so much uncertainty and you, you know, you're looking at these three guys and, and wondering, you know, what, you know what, who, who should captain this ship next? There isn't that much, there is not really a lot of separation in these guys on, at least in what they've said, on fundamental issues to the Republican Party, like taxes and guns and, you know, abortion. 
what's different is their probably their approach to mm -hmm. all of them, you know, and and whether whether you know if somebody who hasn't been in state government before, like Cornette and Stitt, is the answer, or if you know maybe you, you you know you need somebody who at least knows something. I mean, do you really want to entrust the ship to somebody who's never captained it before? I mean, mm -hmm. that's. And that's kind of what Lamb is trying to get to now after months and months, over a year of trying to distance himself from anything having to do with the state capitol, Mary Fallon and the Republican legislature that controls that place. Now he's, he's actually even using the yeah. pilot analogy to say, hey, you don't want an inexperienced pilot taking over this. Yeah, plane. now he's kind of playing up the insider role. Yeah. Yeah. Or should we expect a, a June surprise? Uh, kind of like the October surprise we talked about in presidential races, uh, where something comes out, uh, an old news clip or uh, an old recording of a candidate comes out that completely shifts um, or takes somebody out of the race. Uh, is, is there, um, obviously, you don't know if, there, if there's one coming. I mean, who, who does know? But, um, you know, could, could something like that sway this enough so that you have an outright winner? I mean, I, I think what, what could happen, you know, if you're talking about, like, somebody going negative, I, mean, I don't know if you're talking about something just appearing magically or, or, or one of the other candidates bringing something out. I think in, in terms of the top three, if you were to go negative against somebody, number one, you have to decide who it would be, you know, and then you have to decide, if I hurt them, does that help me? You know, or does, does whatever support they lose then go to one of the other two in the top tier, even three in the bottom tier, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the, I think what some people are looking at it now, say Stitt's, Stitt's the only one that could benefit probably from going negative and probably at Cornette because Cornette's within, you know, um, uh, a few points of him yeah. in most polls. You don't want to go shoot a lamb right now because he's not reachable for, for a Stitt. So I think that's, you know, that would be the question over the next three weeks, whether Stitt's ads change, you know, go from being the outsider, walking around his company grounds, you know, and mm -hmm. saying, here's what I've been able to accomplish as a biz businessman to shifting towards, you know, I've, I've accomplished more than McCornette or, or something like that. I, I don't know that any scandal emerges, you know, the, at least n none that I've, I've heard any foreshadowing of. Well, and how, how much, I mean, you know, you talk about, you know, like, for example, if Stitt goes after Cornette, mm -hmm. there's no guarantee that he would get those Cornette voters that right. would jump ship. I mean, and, and, if, and if Stitt's going to go after Cornette, I mean, the, the likely scenario would be that he challenges it on his, his conservative principles. Yes. But, you know, waiting, you know, Lamb has really championed it. I mean, so if you're Stitt and you're going to go after Cornette and say, hey, this isn't a true conservative, mm -hmm. guys, um, but your lamb is waiting there, ready to say, "I am though," and, right. I, and he's been he's been pounding that message as well. So there's well, no guarantee that Stitt would get that, you know, get that, that, that shift that, in support. That's, a, that's that's right. You know, that he would have to, you know, if, if you could damage you could damage Cornette enough that he would, because I don't think you know the I, I don't think at this point these guys have been on the road for as I said for most of them for a year that Gary Richardson. Dan Fisher or Gary Jones is going to leap up into that mm -hmm. top tier. You know, they've had a chance. There's, they're in single digits in most mm -hmm. polls. So I think, you know, they've had a year to, to prove the voters. So I think that's, you know, it's, it's a plausible route for Stitt to make that case against Cornette on things like immigration and on Trump, on, you know, maybe even on taxes since, since Cornette has been a little bit, you know, squishy on it. 
And the question is, does he bring him? Does he bring Cornette down enough for the instead to to get above him? Yeah, you, you mentioned Trump. Have you been surprised at how little we've heard his name from the candidates? Well, we've heard some. I mean, and probably it's probably been spoken more on in some of these forums and small towns and stuff like that. I mean, Gary Richardson is the only one I know that have actually has come out with an ad or, or some kind of communication campaign, like you know, evoking the president's name. Well, no, Lamb. But Lamb has. Okay, but, so how yeah. much have they talked about the? Well, Lamb's first ad had Trump at it. Okay. you know, it has that has that scene where it looks like. You know, the lieutenant governor's telling a welder or something, you know, how to do his job. He's standing, you know, with the, and it says, help Trump, you know, that's with, right. the, okay, with yeah. the economy. But also he had Trump, uh, Trump Jr. in. Yeah, that's um, right, yeah. Who came back and did it. Trump Jr., uh, Donald Trump Jr. came into Oklahoma City four or five weeks ago to do a fundraiser mm -hmm. for him. And, and in one of their ads, I think they got approval from the Trump camp to uh, use a still picture of of junior in that in that um, but so yeah lamb has continued to use to evoke trump's name yeah um and since and, kind of like evoked the the spirit of trump right yeah the, the, the tax kind of business, cut yeah, yeah the tax cut the, the the tax man, man. he and, talks about uh, about that a lot but other than that not you know not much um, yeah. there's not there, there's not like constant appeals to to trump voters you're mainly going for the, the metropolitan areas, and that's not where Trump is strong. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're over in eastern Oklahoma, and I think we talked about this maybe the last time I was on, when they did a um, forum in Crowder, which is over near Muskogee, near Lake Eufaula, that's huge Trump country over there. Mm -hmm. as, a, as a congressional district, that eastern Oklahoma congressional district is probably the most pro-Trump. So over there, you know, they're, they're more likely. That's the only time I've heard Mick Cornett bring it up, bring up Trump, was in eastern Oklahoma. Yeah. How much are they, are the big three also thinking about the rest of the field? And, you know, they got to they gotta make it to a runoff first, but, but positioning themselves to where if I do make the runoff, I want to be best positioned to pick up the voters for other candidates who didn't make it. I mean, is there any thought you think right now going on? I mean, and let's talk through some scenarios. If it's Lamb... And Cornette, you know, who do you think is more likely to pick up the Richardson and Fishers and Jones supporters? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think with Fisher, who will ha who has you know the the, an the anti-abortion, the mm -hmm. very you know hardcore one, even one-issue voters on abortion are Fishers. And early on, you know, I think anybody in the race would tell you those those every single Fisher vote comes from Lambs, you know. Mm -hmm. From, from people who would otherwise vote for Lamb. But then a couple of weeks ago, Stitt did that deal about I will only appoint mm -hmm. anti-abortion judges, which seemed to, you know, I think probably cut into that. I don't think the others have enough support to, that it matters what you're, you know, what, who's, who goes where. I, mean, I don't think Lamb's going to call up Gary Jones after this thing's over and go, hey, will you come endorse me? I don't think they care. Yeah. You know, they're, they are so so down there in, in single digits but and we could see after the after the the, the primary but um I, I don't know that any of them would call any of the others and go hey i'd like to have your endorsement because i want your votes yeah well well one endorsement none of them seem to be going after is that of the current governor no, right now no. no everyone's pretty much staying clear of, of governor fallon right yeah a lot of people are um and and that's i think typical 
for a, uh, a lame duck governor, someone who's in their last term, uh, about to finish their term. Um, for the most part, people in that position, uh, executives in that position, uh, have a pretty low approval rating. Uh, um, uh, and now the governor's uh, uh, touting the, uh, the success in turning the state around after the, the budget crisis. Um, but I think uh, a lot of the, the governor candidates probably want to, um, to, to focus on what they would do uh, over the next four to eight years rather than uh, seek the endorsement of someone who a lot of Oklahomans probably don't like right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're running a Republican primary. A governor that has most recently signed the largest tax increase in history, vetoed uh, expansion of gun rights. I mean, that, those aren't the things that yeah. necessarily embolden a candidate in a Republican primary to say, hey, why don't you come over here yeah. and right. uh, stand next right. to me for the and, photo and, and I should clarify, you know, I'm talking about uh, Republican voters, hardcore Republican voters who are going to be uh, the ones who are the, the most sought after in this primary, um, especially with the governor um, endorsing and signing uh, a tax raise. Mm -hmm. um, there, there were a lot of people who were against that, including the candidates. Yeah. Well, you're and right. We have to remember, it's, I mean, this is a Republican primary, um, and it's not just you know, there's lots of different types of Republicans in the state, but this is also usually the, the core of the core is usually some of the most conservative as well. So you, it's not like you see, you know, a, you know, I don't know what the breakdown would be, but, you know, you may have a more moderate suburban Oklahoma City Republican, and there's definitely going to be a lot of those votes as well. But you also have a lot of those more socially conservative, religious voters that it maybe is where more the base of this primary vote is going to be more towards, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the reddest, reddest of the, in a red state, you know, it absolutely is. And that'll be even magnif more magnified in a runoff, but, but that's true, you know. Um, even Cornette, who was, you know, was mayor of the city for 14 years, is not going to get uh, every Republican vote, because there are some that will think he's too moderate to be governor. You can think he was a great mayor, mm -hmm. and not, not want him as your governor because of these kinds of issues that, you know, Dale just, you know, as mayor, he didn't have to vote on constitutional carry or tax increases. And, you know, he was the one, I think, in answer to you at our forum, when you asked, would you have signed, if you were governor, would you have signed the tax bill? He said he would. Or he, he or, said or, he's glad. Or she, well, he said, I'm she glad, glad that she did signed it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe he so meant, I'm glad she signed it so I can separate myself. No, but I mean, we took that as I'm, I'm supporting, I'm endorsing. It, 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 the, you always the, have to just kind of yeah. figure out what he's trying to, trying to say. But of the three, Lamb, Stid, and Cornette, he's the only one that said I would have vetoed that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that forum. That was, man, it was about a month ago. Yeah. And they've, uh, it's hard to remember that probably for you, too, and the candidates as well, because a lot of that in between. <laughs> a lot of forums. A lot of between. forums in between then. Yeah. Um, let's mention briefly, I mean, on the Democratic side, um, you know, we haven't had a forum on that, and that's been because we haven't been able to. We tried. Get, we tried, and, uh, and Drew Edmondson couldn't find a day that he could come in. And honestly, for him, you know, he's, is he? There's probably not much of a sense of urgency, right? For him, no, I mean, it's no, there wouldn't be. I mean, I, 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 you know, he he probably hopes that you know most people don't even realize that uh, former state senator County Johnson is running against them. And he's and he's got a huge lead. This is not like mm -hmm. you know he's you know in some neck and neck race with somebody. I mean, Senator Johnson had. Uh, less than eight thousand dollars at the end of March, you know, and Edmondson had like three hundred fifty. It, it, it's never been close in that way. It's and it's not like you can run a statewide campaign without money, you yeah. know, an organization and or or a name. Yeah, I mean, she's. I think she's well known to people who are really honed in on the marijuana 
is she is very she would go recreational you know I mean mm -hmm. she and she sees that as a great source of revenue and I think she's probably in line with a lot of the today's Oklahoma Democratic Party on most issues but she does not have the resources to, to get that out and Drew Edmondson does yeah it's and we obviously we can talk more about uh, Edmondson after the runoff and, and when we know who his Republican challenger is going to be. He has RSVP'd already for the general election for him, by the way, so okay. he's, he's already penciled that in. Uh, that, but yes, but I'm hosting. glad you mentioned that. that for yeah. those who wonder why yeah. we didn't do we, mean, it, we tried to organize one. It, it's fruitless to do one without the front runner. You know, yeah. we're not going to... Yeah. So, anyway. I just, I, I don't know what there is to be said about this, but one of my observations, and, and you can tell me if you think I'm off on this, but it, it's interesting because the race for both the, the likely nominee for each party um, kind of is running contrary, at least in this moment, a little bit to what we've seen the the base of the party in the legislature be. And here's what I mean by this. So you talk about, you know, Connie Johnson probably represents where the Democratic Party is in Oklahoma, which I think is a lot more progressive than it was you know, even well, a few uh, years ago, they really yeah, mobilized right. more towards winning those urban seats. Right. They've kind of neglected the rural areas. Um, this is a more progressive, probably Democratic Party, more urban, saw, party. more urban Party than we saw a decade ago. I don't want to say that the Republicans are more moderate, but we have come out of this legislature session dominated by the tax increase, and that was a very more moderate decision to make. So a lot of Republicans who maybe don't like increasing taxes felt like that was the right thing to do, but yet you have Republicans running in the primary, most of which were are against that. Does that make kind of sense? Well, so and I, Edmondson I, is kind of, he is that kind of more moderate Democrat that I feel like I can appeal to rural areas and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm... And I'm, some I'm, things. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. I just, I just, it just is interesting to me. There's not, the parties aren't, I guess more on the Democratic side, but I just, there seems to be some different... Well, what happens is, you know, and I, I think this is like so evident, in the Republican Party right now, as it has grown, it's going to splinter. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, some of the some of the Republicans. I'm doing a I'm doing a story on this uh, House District 82 right now, which has 12 Republican candidates on the primary side. Wow. You know, like it, it's like the Oklahoma political scene of 2018 on steroids. You know, yeah. I mean, it's all these people who filed. It's teachers. It's you know lawyers. They are so. You know, I surveyed them all. All, all 12, got, only got back, you know, seven of them. Five of the seven who responded, of the Republicans, would have voted for the tax hike. Calvi of 1980, or House District 82, is represented by Kevin Calvi, conservative Republican, who was one of, what, 19 Republicans who voted against the tax mm -hmm. bill, which means he was in the minority mm. of the Republican Party in the House. Yeah, wow. Well. And you had, a, as you've noted, a Republican governor who vetoed constitutional carry. These candidates I surveyed in House District 82 are split on constitutional carry. What is the Republican? Where, where are Republicans? Hmm. On a, well, if you go by the majority and you go by the governor, they basically vote like Democrats, right? Hmm. I mean, it took the Republican Party to pass that tax bill. Yeah. People think, you know... Well, all the you know most of the Democrats, I think all of the House Democrats voted for, but they, it, yeah. it took fifty something Republicans to vote. The majority of the House Republicans mm -hmm. voted for that tax bill. And and can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, really, where is the Republican Party right now? If that's if that's the case, I think the pendulum has begun to swing back. Maybe um, you know if you start talking about the, the emergence of the Tea Party um, uh, a couple of years after. 
the uh, Republicans took power in Oklahoma, um, maybe uh, maybe this is just the the natural political cycle of things, um, bringing back things a little bit more to the middle. Not saying the Democrats are going to have a majority in Oklahoma anytime soon, um, but this you know this is the way that that politics goes, and you can see it on a national level as well. Yeah. Well, what happened? You know what what everybody will t- always tell you about. You know. They grew up a Democrat. If I hadn't registered as a Democrat, I wouldn't have been able to vote for yeah. sheriff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because every, this state was so historically Democrat, especially like in the eastern part, that there were no Republican candidates. Mm-hmm. So, in, you know, you're always a Democrat, so you could vote just even in local elections. Now, those people always in presidential elections voted Republican. You know, I mean, they were very conservative. So what's happening now, if you look at like House District 82, let's say you have these people that would actually probably be Democrats, mm-hmm. you know, in this district. But if you register as a Democrat, you run as a Democrat, you're just going to get creamed mm-hmm. because it's a majority Republican registration district. So. There's only really one way for you to be, just, you know, it's just totally shifted. Yeah. As a Republican party has become this dominant majority, you have these splinter things and you have these more practical politics at work where you're like, well, you know, I, I don't agree with, you know, a lot of these policies, but I've got to run in that party. So mm-hmm. you've got this natural division in ideology now. Yeah. Well, we're also talking about, you know, we're talking about both candidates and actual lawmakers. Uh-huh. I mean, and so... It, it's one thing to say. I mean, it's one thing for these GOP candidates to say that they would not have signed the tax hike, and maybe they wouldn't have. Right. But it also wouldn't have shocked me if Lamb, if Stitt, if Cornette would have, if they and, were in that. And, and and it's kind of interesting. On um, there's a, a conservative talk show host in Tulsa, Pat Campbell, who asked Todd Lamb on interviews in the last couple of weeks, asked Todd Lamb and Kevin Stitt whether they, they would, if, if the petition to repeal those tax hikes get on statewide ballot, would they vote to repeal them? And both of them said no. Hmm. You know, they, both of them because they said, you know, it would create kind of budget chaos at that yeah. point, but. Yeah, but anyway, when you're running and you're in these forums and you, you know, it's easy it's to easy, say, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have voted for it. I mean, if Fallon was seeking reelection this year, if she wasn't term limited, maybe she wouldn't have signed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking that she, I mean, when you're in that situation, when you're the governor, and it's easy to say, theoretically, I'm not for it. But after the, the legislature, a bipartisan majority of the legislature has said, we are for this. Um, you know, there are teachers you know, preparing to walk out. The majority of the public seems to think, yes, this is the right thing to do. A three quarters majority. Yeah, I mean, so when yeah. push comes to shove, I, I, it would, I would not be, despite what they've said, and I'm not saying they're, they're lying, I'm just saying, you know, if Lamb were governor, I kind of feel like he probably would have signed it. I mean, you're, you're also a product of what your situation you're mm-hmm. in, and it's, and it's easy to say, I wouldn't vote for tax increases, but in the abstract. But, you know, when rubber meets the road, and, you know, in Fallon, you know, in the legislature was also dealing with, uh, you know, they couldn't envision themselves doing this several years ago, but here they were in, you know, facing these challenges. Things change when you're the decider. They do. I, I, I think Lamb, more than any of them, maybe, has taken the equivalent of a noni tax pledge, though. He says it so adamantly, so, you know, clear. I can't imagine him ever being able to support a tax package. I can't imagine the legislature supporting a tax package moving forward anyway. Well, and they won't have to worry about it, right? The the next, they're going to have a pretty good uh, situation going in. Right, right. And and everything from here on out, when when they're talking about revenue, uh, is going to focus so much less on taxes 
and, and more on uh, government efficiencies and consolidation. Um, under, under a Todd Lamb um, uh, administration, we could finally see some, um, some school administration uh, consolidation mm. go through, like in a serious way. Um, that you know, school advocates have been fighting against for a long time, but I, th- I think there are probably a lot of Republicans in government um, who feel that the um, that some of these communities owe a concession now, owe their sort of pound of flesh mm-hmm. for uh, because the legislature raised taxes and gave teachers a pay raise. Yeah, and now maybe there's something. Do you think the wind? Still comes up though. I mean, I know they're not going to do another like package like ten ten, but I mean, does wind stay on the agenda? Uh, I, I I think so. Um, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot more left that they can squeeze out of that. You know, uh, uh, what's the, what's the phrase? You can't squeeze blood out of a rock. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much there is still left on the table. I know there was. Um, well, the bill the, the house the passed thing, in the Senate. Yeah, that that the Senate got rid of. Um, but you know you've got the, the floor leader of the Senate last year now um, going to be the president pro of the uh, of the Senate. Um, so if he had anything to do with that, then um, I, I, th- I think it'll, it'll probably still be the same. Um, th- there, there are I think there are certainly other uh, other ways that the um, the Republican leadership could find to to raise money to end subsidies um, all across government that don't, don't have anything to do with wind. Um, it's, it's been a, a struggle, a fight for, for years on wind, and I, I don't know if, if they have the stomach to continue it. Yeah. Well, if you're, and I go back to something you said, I mean, I think, the, you know, if you're Lamb, he may not have signed the tax hike, um, but the tax hike might have been the best thing for him if he's going to be the future governor. Because you're right, we're probably not for all to, of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, for all really. I mean, yeah. but theory, just using him as an example, but right. put, fill in the blank with whatever candidate, Republican candidate you want. Um, the you crisis know, there's is not, over. Yeah. There's not going to be another tax hike in a, in a while, <laughs> short of some kind of budgetary disaster. There's right. not going to be one in a while. And you're right. A lot of these things that conservatives have been saying, like pick your issue, but like in school consolidation. The other side has been saying, we need money now. We need money now. Consolidation is small. It takes a while. Mm-hmm. We need money now. Well, now they've got the money now. So if you're a Lamb or Cornette or Stitt or whoever, you know, and you go into your, you know, your inauguration address, I mean, you're able to say, hey, the time is now for us to do these things. Mm-hmm. We, we passed the tax. That's behind us. We've, yeah. we've put the Band-Aid on it, but now we're going to move on with some. So I think you know, issues like school consolidation um, and some of these other kind of conservative uh, you know, ideals uh, are more likely now. And you've been really set up with, uh, I mean, let's put it this way. I think the next eight years, if if it's going to be a repeat, you know, if there's going to be a Republican candidate that can think I have four, maybe eight years, um, the table's set up maybe, mm-hmm. you know, to, to go after some things. You're not facing the financial disaster that Fallon was, although those are hard to predict, so who knows, maybe something does happen. But short of that, I think, uh, you know, you may not, he may, they may not have signed the tax hikes, but um, they'll be very glad, grateful they are, that, that, that the crisis there. is yeah. there. Yeah. Well, it'll be all very, very reform. Yeah. Well, all, all eyes, uh, as we wrap up here, I mean, obviously a lot of eyes are on the governor's race, a couple of statewide races, but then we've got so many races across the legislature, and it's, it's hard to predict what that'll end up looking like. I think we can say with all certainty, I mean, the balance of power is not at stake, and this is the primary, obviously, so November is when we would see uh, some seats flip. Um, but we do know the legislature is going to be significantly different, at least yeah, in terms it, of the faces. There's going to be a lot of new names I'm going to have to learn, and a lot of new faces to memorize. Um, there are only 12... Uh, uh, lawmakers who 
uh, are, um, are don't have an opponent. They're running uh, unopposed, and they will automatically come back next year. Um, but a quarter of the legislature are going to be completely new. Uh, that's that's a remarkable turnover rate from one year to the next, and uh, you know we've we've reported on that. There are a lot of lawmakers stepping back before their term limits are are due. Um, there have been a lot of lawmakers uh, resign in the past. Well, kind of last minute, years. some of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, there uh, uh, we're just going to see a lot of new people, um, and the uh, the the combined the the number of new people. Entering office with the number of uh, the number of candidates facing the number of incumbents facing an opponent, opponent which is most of them, and you have the the opportunity, the chance to have uh, some uh, significant turnover. And when I say significant, I don't mean like you know half. Uh, I think in a, uh, in a in a primary election, at least uh, when an incumbent is challenged, a significant turnover could be like five or ten. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's it's really easy to overestimate the the, the turnout in a, uh, in a in a primary, and um, and maybe expect a little bit more than, than actually what happens. Um, but you know we could see some Republican legislators losing their jobs uh, in the next four weeks. Yeah, it's I've been you know working on a story trying to I did this in sixteen, trying to do it this year, try to uh, c- categorize every single teacher candidate that's running, and there does seem to be not quite done with the research on that, but there's more this year than there was in 16, and, you know, they don't obviously put, you know, T for teacher on the ballot, so, you know, you've got to look up every one of these names, and it seems to me, you know, when you look up at the websites and, and pages of a lot of these candidates, there are a lot of people with no government experience at all running, and I don't, and we've seen that in years past, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, but it's, it just, I get the sense which is a larger number of that. Now, how successful will they be? I don't know. But you see a lot of, you know, I mean, it was, you know, you go back not too long ago, and it used to be, you know, someone who ran for school board, someone who ran for mayor, then they run for the legislature, and they kind of work their way up, or at least have some government experience. But I've seen a There's lot. There's got to be a lot of people in the legislature now who had no government experience. Right. I mean, I mean we some have, of these I mean, people are so We young. have seen that, yeah. I mean, I can't believe how, how young some of, uh, you know, the legislators are, really. They. Yeah. I know I'm old, but you know it, it, it still seems like a, a higher percentage of, of, of almost millennials, some of them that uh, in that in that category, you know. Or, and and you know in the days of term limits, you kind of wonder. And these, some of these are really smart people. I don't want to name any of them, but you know, get into specifics about it. But you almost wonder if if some of these people, as smart as they are, and as you know, kind of um, uh, public interest public service oriented as they are, where they might have been more valuable later on, you know, been more valuable in the legislature later on. After, you know, with some life experience, with perspective, as smart as they are, and, you know, like I said, it's kind of interested in the public good as they are. That's a great point. Are they, are they hitting their, their, their terms before their prime? Yeah, I mean, they'll, in 12 years, you know, they'll probably be in their, some of them in their early 30s when they can't run anymore. well, I, I, it just seems to me that there are a lot of political novices that feel, and we've seen this in years past, but especially this year, that feel in the, oda- the audacity, good or bad, to feel like, I can run for state legislature. Uh-huh. And, and from a winning perspective, I think you can, because you aren't, you're no longer having to say, well, you know, the mayor of the town is now running, or you know, the person who's been the chair of the county you know, Republican Party. I mean, people who f- you feel like it's their turn, and I have to run against their name. I mean, yeah, if, you're, you know, if you own your own 
CPA firm and nobody knows who you are, that's a disadvantage. But right now, it's all about just hitting the doors. And if you feel like, hey, I can knock as many doors as someone else, yeah. I can raise some money, and I don't have to, I'm not running against a, an established political figure in this in my town. I, hey, maybe I can get this done. Yeah, I don't think any in this race that I'm uh, writing about this weekend, none of them have political experience, you know. And I, you know, I, I know that's probably a selling point. <clears throat> for some of them and, and maybe even for some voters, but it, it really does take a while to figure out, you know, how government works. Yeah. And not, and not just like the, all the, the, you know, the myriad programs that you have to deal with and authorize, and, but, but even how politics works in, inside the legislature, you know, as far as your allies and, and that kind of thing. I mean, it just, it takes a while. Yeah. So, you don't hit the ground running in, the, in a legislature. You actually, you hit the ground confused, I think, for the most part. Yeah, well, I won't mention a name either, but I remember in 16 and the uh, state of the day of the state of the state when the legislature was kicking off, a, a newly elected legislator I ran into that I had covered before and just said, hey, how's it going? He's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I have no idea where anything is or what I'm doing. Um, and, and, and that makes me and kind just, of vulnerable, really. It makes yeah. you susceptible to, you know, and I don't want to just say lobbyists, but it makes you susceptible to simple answers yeah. about things that are actually quite complicated. Yeah. Well, he sounded like he knew what he was talking about when he came in my office yeah. and told me to vote for it. So I guess I'm going to go that way. So yeah. well, definitely be interesting to follow. Um, and once again, a lot of these races are going to go into a runoff, which is in August. Uh, but a lot of things will be determined here in just a few weeks, the June 26th mm -hmm. primary. And today's the deadline to register, right? Yep. Okay, right. so this is going up Friday afternoon. You may have a few hours if you're one of our early listeners to still get registered to vote, but I assume all of our listeners and, watcher, <laughs> and, and viewers are, so are already registered if you're watching a political show. So, <laughs> Well, uh, Dale, Chris, thanks so much. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder. We'll see you again next week.